Do you ever wonder why some podcasts are so successful? Do you wish that you could replicate the success of some of the top podcasts? So do we. And we believe there is no harm in asking. So we're questioning everything about how podcasts are produced, hosted, and monetized. This is No Harm in Asking. I'm Eric Byron. And I'm Michael Kerr, always excited to share my opinion. We review podcasts and look for clues to why some make it big. And some don't make it at all. This week, we'll be reviewing Serial with Sarah Koenig. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration. Okay, Michael, so Serial... Not a breakfast food. Yeah, not about serial killers. And and not about serial killers. Yeah, let's just start right there. So we got a podcast that's called Serial. It's a crime genre, but it's not serial killers. How did that happen? Well, it's interesting that you bring this up because I didn't even think of that. You know, that was the first thing that came to your mind. But the it word was. serial the word serial to me, I think, means just something that's in sequence. But we've seen this before where if they named it what it actually was. It might have turned people off. They may not have tuned in. And in this case, you get a, you get the serial name. You might think, oh, serial killers. Everybody loves a good serial killer. You want to check it out. You see what it's about. Okay. So uh, set the stage here. So we're talking about serial. And this almost creates a, a little mini series for us, right? Because we talked about S-Town. Yes. And we did This American Life. And now we're doing Serial. And they're all connected, right? They all come from this group that right. Ira Glass created. And Serial, though, now is no longer under that umbrella. And the kind of the follow-up to S-Town, which we also reviewed, uh, the Trojan Horse Affair, actually falls under this new offshoot. So Serial was sold to the New York Times and kind of uh, Brian Reed and his – Trojan horse affair went with it. Right? Seems like a lot of fun. I mean, my guess is that they all have a lot of fun. It must be fascinating. Like, we're IT guys. We, we grew up in this, <laughs> you know, where we were focused on systems. And when I, when I listen to these and I, I go, these people must lead such fascinating lives that, oh, they yeah. get, that they get to put together. This is the work that they get to do. It just seems yeah. like an enormous privilege to, to be yeah. able to do this. Well, and one of the ways that, you know, it did occur to me that this feels a little bit so, my experience in the game industry, right? When you go do one of these AAA games, uh, like the ones I made when I was at EA, this was a year-long process. Mm -hmm. But a lot of other games, you may go three years working on a project to release the very first release of a brand new AAA game, right? Some of these are long cycles. And so as I looked at these projects, mm -hmm. the three seasons we reviewed here of Serial – and I thought, this is kind of the same sort of thing, right? Once you decide we're going to go do this courthouse yep. thing in Cleveland, right? Uh, a week-by-week -week look at a, at a courthouse. This was like committing to a year of your life. Uh, in fact, uh, you have this co-host in this case, Emmanuel right, Zotsky. He relocated right. to Cleveland for a year to help produce this, to, to co-host with Sarah 
Koenig. Yeah, I think the parallel is fair. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I know when we were thinking, when I was reviewing this, I said, well, maybe we should do this, right? As opposed to this week <laughs> after week after week, you know, yeah. maybe we should sit down and say, well, what can we really do? I think it's a fascinating format where yeah. you've, you've, you're going to put together this collection of episodes yeah. into a complete season. Now, have you been reading my journal? Because I talk about that in my journal, yeah. actually. Oh, I didn't read your last <laughs> one. So maybe that's what it's all about. Yeah. Nevertheless, it's obviously an enjoyable listen. Yeah. It's one of the few where it's just it's just so fun. It's well, just it's there, just an enjoyable thing. And the genius, much like S Town, is this idea that I'm given intimate access to people that I would otherwise not interact with. So yep. criminals and, and gang members and court judges and, and lawyers. Again, and and Sarah, Sarah Canning takes me in. She intertwines herself into the story, just like we saw in S Town with Brian Reed. And and you feel like, oh, she's really the one that's piecing the whole thing together. And so again, yeah. you feel like you're you're watching the story unfold in front of you. And yeah. to me, that's that's the genius. I and don't know if everybody brilliantly can brilliantly told. Yeah. These guys do such a great job of putting this stuff together. So again, going off, they spend a year doing all of these interviews, gathering all of this information. Then they come back and they and they put it together. Yeah. Now I did find it interesting I actually read an interview that Emmanuel Zotzi did with a magazine called Vulture. Uh, so Vulture is part of Fox Media. And they interviewed him about his participation in the season three and how he ended up as a as a co-host. And he admitted that wasn't really the original plan. He's a reporter actually under This American Life. And he was in Toledo. So he's also an interesting guy for this because he's a black man – but he's born in uh, in Britain, and he has an oh, English accent. Oh, he's born accent. in Britain, right? He's born in because it did make it didn't make any sense. I mean, yeah, they never said that he was born in Britain. That was in that interview. Yeah, yeah. So he's from England, actually raised in Ohio. Right. In Ohio. That's what she, right. She said he was an American raised in Ohio. Right. Yeah, right. and I think he obviously he must have lived over there sure. at some point because okay. he, he really has quite a British accent. He absolutely does. Um, yeah, it must have been some fun. So he goes in these courthouses where. Uh, generally, again, they, they talk quite a bit about this, right? And most of the defendants are black, Absolutely. and the judges are all most all Irish or yeah. Italian, and you know the lawyers are mostly all white, and the bailiffs are what you know. It's it's a very kind of segregated view of society there Correct. in uh, who's doing what in this yeah. in this justice system. But you got Emmanuel showing up with a recorder participating in, in some of this stuff, and he's a black man, but then he opens his mouth and it throws you off. Most of what's happening in Judge Gould's courtroom, in any courtroom, are pleas and sentencings. Trials are the exception. So this one I'm starting with, a sentencing for a 19-year-old I'm going to call Terrell, isn't unusual in any way. And he, he talks a little bit about that in that article. Yeah, it would be interesting yeah. to see how, what the reaction was, because obviously a lot of the people that he, were speaking, yeah. he was speaking to were on black defendants. Yeah. Um, it would have been fascinating. So he moved there full time, and he, he kind of joked about getting an Airbnb, and then they just kept renewing it over and over and over again. And it was a two-bedroom house somewhere there in, in the Cleveland area, and that Sarah would stay with him when she came. He had never actually met her until he did this. Huh. So they had 
been around each other. You know, he was in Toledo working for This American Life. So he was a reporter uh, and working on some stories and stuff. So they kind of encountered each other virtually in emails and stuff. But he had never met her until she showed up in Cleveland at their little Airbnb. I think what I found most fascinating about this podcast was regardless of what position you may have held going in, whether you believe that maybe on one side of the spectrum that the black community has a problem and they need to solve it themselves, or whether you held the the opposing view that the system is um, systematically racist and that the police and the justice system have fundamental flaws, whether you went in with either sides of those or anything in between, you would have left this podcast perhaps you know, not having changed your opinion, right? The goal was not to necessarily change your opinion. And as a result, it would have appealed to anybody. She did a really good job of, of highlighting both sides and fit, and you had to decide, you know. Yeah. Well, I want to also, I think they did something kind of clever, interesting here. So the very first season of this, season one goes all the way back to 2014 and they did 12 episodes, but it was all kind of one story. Right. Mm -hmm. It was this. Right. Murder, it was a single murder. Right. A single murder. And the boyfriend gets arrested and accused. And I, I love the way she kind of starts the series out saying. For the last year, I've spent every working day trying to figure out where a high school kid was for an hour after school one day in 1999. Or if you want to get technical about it, and apparently I do, where a high school kid was for 21 minutes after school one day in 1999. A year just to do that, yeah. right? To figure out those 21 minutes. Yeah. But so this is a lengthy, say, 12 episodes, you know, almost 12 hours of content around a single case. However, even though there was the one individual that was convicted – there, there appeared to be a, a many people that were potentially the killer. Oh, it's an elaborate story. Yeah, it's There's an no elaborate question. story. So there is, there is content to fill yeah. know, the dozen episodes. I'm just saying, though, it was one story. Correct. Right? So then the second season, which actually spans between 2015 and 2016, 11 episodes in this one. So this is the one regarding Private Bo Bergdahl who was held prisoner by the Taliban for five years in Afghanistan and the controversy around how did he get in that situation and was he a hero or was he a traitor? You know, yeah. what was what was the story? So it was a very, very interesting one. Also one I was a bit more familiar with. He'd been in the in the news. We heard about this story. And again though, it's eleven episodes kind of all around one story. Yep. Right? This is trying to uncover information that hadn't been known before. Right? So both of these, the first two seasons are both really about investigation. Correct. She's trying to find information that hasn't existed before. But the third one is this uh oh, how did she describe it? From This American Life and WBEZ Chicago, it's serial. One courthouse told week by week. I'm Sarah Koenig. So it's not one story. It's a whole collection of stories over a year in this courthouse. They got like access to this courthouse and they didn't know from day to day, week to week, 
what they were going to hear that was really interesting. And it you know, and it's not all done in the courthouse, right? They end up right. As, they end up in people's houses. They end up in bars and and whatnot to, to tell the these car, stories, right? But yeah. again, so you're right. They're all they're all these disparate stories that have some core relationship, which is the Cleveland courthouse, right? But they're all there to tell a story they're, where you need to evaluate what you think of the criminal justice system in this supposedly representative. Middle American town. Yeah. That is the genius. And but I think <laughs> it's funny. So so that was the last one in twenty eighteen. And you say to yourself, you know, what happened, right? It's been four years since they did anything. And it's almost like will, you know, yes. the the four of them or the three of them, excuse me, have been so successful that if they see Sarah Koenig coming, right? It's like, oh, you know, no, right? <laughs> Slam the door, yeah. <laughs> and I think that's interesting. It's almost a, a story of too much success has caused them to yeah. struggle to come yeah. up with a season four. Now, it may very well be because they have high expectations for themselves and and they've come up with these sort of three stories. Like most podcasters, yeah. this isn't going to work for you, right? Like you right. can't do three season type podcasts over an eight year period. Got to come up with content that's better. But well, And clearly they are- Doing some other things. Well, and now, actually, I think the only thing they've they've published since they were sold, right? So Serial was sold off to the New York yep. Times, right? Um, so it's a separate thing now called Serial Productions, and uh, they have produced some content. One of that that was in 2020, was it? The sale to the New York sale, Times, yeah. yeah. So in August 2020, uh, they produced a series called uh, Nice White. Parents, mm -hmm. uh, that's just a five episode one that uh, I honestly I haven't listened to, so I won't comment on the you know the content there, the style. I assume the style is similar. It's a different host though. It is not uh, Sarah Koenig in that one. Then there's another one in in April 2021, and again this is released dropped the whole time. There's at once five chapters. And it's called the Improvement Association. Uh, I know we listened to the trailer on that one. So uh, again, this one is uh, Zoe Chase is the host of this one, and it's very similar format. She digs into this story, and and they tell it in a very similar kind of style, but it's not serial. What we think, yeah, of and it's not serial. serial. I know yeah. you listen on Apple Podcasts, and I tend to listen on the website. Yeah, and if you go and to you don't even see these, and on the I don't website. even see them. So if you go yeah. to serialpodcast.org, all you see is you know serial season one, season two, season three. I don't see any reference. If yeah. I click on the Twitter link, yeah, I go to serial, and they advertise the Trojan Horse yeah. podcast, but they don't. You know, there's no reference to any of these on yeah. the serial website. So they're clearly- But in Apple Podcast, it's in the same that's feed. That's right. So they're right? clearly keeping yeah. it separate. The yeah. other thing I think is important is that the three seasons have been so successful that they can just ride on their laurels if you want. And they continue to get new advertisers in. So the original advertiser for serial, yeah. I think season one was MailChimp and they ran a long time with MailChimp. But if you listen to season three, it's now ZipRecruiter. You get an ad at the beginning, you get a big ad in the middle. It's read yeah. by the host. Yeah. And I've read a number of articles on the advertising component of serial and it's okay. an enormous success. The recall numbers for who was the advertiser for this podcast is enormous. Like in the eighties or, you know, or higher. Where they can remember the, the the advertiser, and they continue to get millions of downloads for yeah. this, so it's guaranteed money. They can basically yeah. say, "I'm guaranteeing you 
this many viewers or this many listeners, excuse me. Yeah. As a result, I think it's a balance. It's like, yeah, we don't really have any yeah. great story. We're working on it. We can work years on it and we can ride this, yeah. this success Well, I think that's out. exactly what's happening, right? I think like Brian Reed, right, between S-Town and then the Trojan Horse Affair was several years and we estimated that you know his research on the Trojan Horse Affair was at least three years that he was back and forth between New York and England, yeah, you know, working on this thing for like three years before they finally released it. Another thing I think is interesting, again, when you look at what's on Apple Podcast, so there's three series, if you will, that have that are listed there beyond season three, say the uh, Nice White Parents, the Improvement Association. And then the Trojan Horse Affair. All three of those basically dropped all of their episodes at once. Boom. Here's five or six or eight yeah. chapters or parts, whatever they're calling it. And you know, here's the whole thing. Go binge this. It's a great story. Serial itself, though, has never published that way. They do a couple of episodes and then it's kind of week by week. Um, they drop another one until they get to the end. Right. I um, think they ended up needing more time. So I think it ended up every yeah. two weeks. Uh, there was one that right ended up in two weeks uh, in between the episodes being released, which is all fine. A little bit of anticipation. You know, people are following Yeah, my understanding line, is that season one was very – where it was very suspenseful so from one to the other. She yeah. really left you hanging yeah. and you had to come back. Yeah. Um, the season three, obviously – I mean, they were very disparate, inter- yeah. different episodes. So there wasn't that, oh, you got to listen to the next month. But you, yeah. It wasn't suspense, but you yeah. you clearly felt they were they were going somewhere. Yeah. And Sarah, her goal is not to make a conclusion at the end. The goal is not to put yeah. these all together. It's journalism. And yeah. it's journalism. And the, yeah. la- the last one doesn't tie it up in a bow, right? You can still make the yep. decision yourself. You know, you're left- yeah. I don't yeah. want to say hanging, but basically you can go off and say, oh, I thought that guy was guilty or I thought he wasn't yeah. or I think there's a problem with the criminal justice system or I think the problem is in the community. You know, you yeah. can decide yeah. from the podcast. Again, I think it's part of the yeah. part of The, the other genius. thing they did too was in the middle of season two, there was some new news on the characters from season one. Oh, okay. and, and they did some bonus episodes. Good. They they dropped in there. They were just update from season one. Breaking news. Just wanted to share with you today as we're getting ready to release this episode. We had a headline here in the news. Conviction of Adnan Syed in the serial podcast case is overturned and the judge ordered him released. That's the headline from NBC News. They actually give credit to the serial podcast for creating the scenario where Syed could be released from prison due to questions about his conviction. You know, there was there was criticism um, of the first one. It was it's in many ways it's similar, obviously, to yeah. the to the podcast that we did last week with Ashley Flowers. Again, right. crime junkie. As a podcaster, you have to decide whether or not this is something that you should how much your opinion influences yeah. uh, what you say? Yeah, I mean, you're again, you're, information again, again you you're profiting. Yeah. You know, you're profiting off the the unfortunate situations that that people find themselves yeah. in, and there has been criticism from the family. Yeah. And once now, I will say, I I didn't. This one did not hit me at all the way Crime Junkie did in terms of that balance. 
of uh, exploitation. Ethical, okay. Right. Yes. Concern about exploitation. Yeah, there was no question in my mind that she was not exploiting these cases. Yeah. So let's also talk, since we keep mentioning Sarah, I want to mention Julie Snyder. I did some digging here on how these shows are put together and you know how they've been so successful. And it seems that Julie Snyder is really a key player here, that uh, she and Sarah are listed as co-creators. And I gather that Sarah is the great voice on the microphone and doing the interviews, and she's just unbelievably good at that. But Julie Snyder seems to be the creative one behind the scenes who's really putting this together. And she's saying, go talk to them. Let's get this. Go at it this way. I think that she's very much behind the scenes kind of pulling the strings. Uh, certainly with Emmanuel, she was. Um, he refers to that in his interview of her kind of telling him, all right, you're going to Cleveland. <laughs> you do this. Yeah. You know, you're going to do that. She made the decision that he was going to be co-host and they were actually going to air his interviews with some of these folks, that it wasn't just research. So a very key person. And this partnership between Sarah and Julie clearly was all three seasons. Okay. Right? Now, there was a third person in there, Dana Shivis. And Dana was listed as a producer for season one and season two. And again, I, I saw a note in an article I read that basically gave credit to Sarah, Julie, and Dana as the three, like the three amigos behind the success of season one, that all three were critical to that success. Dana, I gather, is more on kind of the production side, really pulling this stuff together. When you listen to the credits, I think I counted 37 names in the credits. So although there may be three kind of key creative people, and then of course you have Ira Glass and his influence and you know in there, which you can you can feel his influence on this. You uh, can. Style. I, I agree. Yeah. I mean, I I think we all understand that there is a team behind these yeah. kind of things. It's interesting, though, the society that we've built really show you know pushes the the person that is interacting with the yeah. you know the end user, whether you're the CEO or whether you're the the newscaster on ABC News, right? Yeah, he gets paid the big bucks, right? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's it's the person that can deliver the content who is. Yeah. Recognized. So I just think this one is a little different, though, than This American Life, because clearly you have Ira Glass there who can do both. He is both kind of the True. creative guy behind the scenes, but he also can be on the mic and you hear his voice and it's his show. Because he right? knows that he's got to right. be out there to get the recognition. Right. I, I think the dynamic is different here. Maybe. I think Julie is kind of the creative leader and Sarah is the voice. Right, that it really takes the two of them combined to do this. And now that they sold the series off, I think Julie is really like Ira Glass. Right, I think she is the guiding force who says, "Let's go do this." And Sarah says, "I'm in. Let's go do it." And and Sarah becomes the voice, but Julie may be the driving force behind the scenes, who's picking the stories and. And maybe picking the angles and helping them them kind of piece it together. I, I accept your point. You know, you obviously listen to it. You think and I it could you be think, completely you wrong. You think it's the you think it's the Sarah Koenig show. You listen to it. Yeah. She's the one that's pulling it all together. What what remains fascinating about this podcast medium yeah. is that 
there are podcasts like this that are, you know, truly brilliant. Yeah. And yet you and I can ride along on the coattails of this by saying that we are podcasters. The medium remains yes. new and the medium remains intimate and still in sort of evolution yeah. where literally millions of people can follow along and basically put themselves on, you know, inside this bubble yeah. and say, we're all podcasters and we can all get grouped together with brilliant things like this. Um, You're right, right. All and I, of, I still think it's yeah. the most fascinating medium. I mean, I can't yeah. go on TV, right? I, people aren't putting me or anybody else. Yeah. But I, but we, you can put out a podcast and you can be carried along just because you've got this this yeah. medium to do it. And it it just remains the, the most fascinating yeah. medium on the planet as a result. Yeah. No, I, I agree. And of course, one of the reasons why we decided to go ahead and do this one even though it kind of felt like we had covered some of this already under This American Life and S-Town. But we did Crime Junkie last week, and it came across that Ashley Flowers was inspired by Serial. That's how she got into it. Yeah. Of course, she surpassed Serial in terms of success. Yes. And so we wanted to listen to Serial and do a review on it to also kind of be inspired. And I absolutely agree. This is one of those that you, you listen to it and you just go, oh, how can we do that? Yeah. Right. And I'm not talking about viral. I'm just talking about so methodically well thought out and well produced and creative and, you know, just the storytelling, the production qualities. So, you know, multiple examples now of really, really high quality shows done. And none of them done casually week to week, right? These are long projects involving many people and tons and tons of interviews. Who knows how much content they recorded and threw away. Oh, immense, this, I would yeah, think. Yeah. I tried to find who the demographics were of this. You know, what what oh, kind listeners. of what kind of listeners are listening to this? And that was actually not very easy to find. So there there wasn't okay. really anything that I the definitive that I found. Yeah. But I'm sure you have an opinion on it. I'm going to have an opinion on it. Yeah. <laughs> what I learned was that clearly there is a demand for this type of content from the from the millennium generation. So um, what they seemed to say was that this fit very much in with this particular type of demographic, the millennial generation, which spans from, I think, 1980 up until maybe the mid-90s. So that group of people, those people can't get enough content. So the, their desire to consume content is immense. And this really fed into their what they wanted. They could do yeah. other things, um, whether they're driving or whether they're uh, washing the dishes. And this type of content seemed to, to resonate very well with that particular group. And I wanted to say something else that was quite brilliant. And, uh, <laughs> but I, I have absolutely no idea oh, what it is. Brilliance but gonna, escaped but you. But I'm going to come up with it because uh, it's so brilliant. All right. Um, you're going to remember what it was. Yeah. I, oh, I know what I want to say. Okay. Okay. The brilliance is here. <laughs> okay. So the brilliance. <laughs> there was a survey that was done of the serial listeners. What they found was that of the people that listened to serial, 25% said that Serial was the first podcast they'd ever listened to. And Ooh. that seemed enormously significant. So Serial was launched way back in 2014. So again, yep. eight years ago now. But 
just because of the virality, this one really resonated with the American public. And it, in many ways, I feel that it was important for us to do it because in some ways, I think it launched the medium. But for an enormous number of people, this was the first podcast. You reminded me of something that I read in one of the articles I read about Julie Snyder, an interview she did, and talking about one of the the differences unique within that organization. So when they were getting ready to do this eight years ago, and they were coming from This American Life, which was really a radio show, and but they made a commitment up front that their target was not to get on radio. They wanted to do a podcast. They wanted to embrace this media, and I think at the time – this American Life, I think the article said they were already on like 450 radio stations, right, nationwide. And so so that had been the success formula for Ira Glass. And they said, no, we're going to do this differently. We want to target this. And they weren't sure. And then they had something like 80 million downloads of season one. Yeah. And they went, oh, wow, wow that works. So that actually, well, that makes perfect sense, right? They went after podcasting with one of the first really brilliant, well-done podcasts. And so, yeah, a lot of their listeners, this was the first podcast they'd, they'd ever listened to. And the other thing that made it at the early stages, made it successful was this, was donations. We often don't talk about donations, but my understanding yeah. is that, so I think they raised three, like $300,000 just in donations alone. Really? After the first season. So that people were they, – they really wanted to give back. So there was a couple other podcasts that have followed this donations concept. Yeah. Kickstarter. There are some other podcasts well, that Patreon have Patreon is really – a lot of folks will just say, yeah, I've got a Patreon site and you can go donate to keep me on the air. Yeah. But eight like years I ago, did. I think yeah. it was still kind of novel. Yeah. Um, and as a result, so I'm happy to ride on the coattails of, of cereals. Of greatness. I, yes. uh, it's my privilege. It is my privilege. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we got the brilliance out. All right. That was our review of Serial with Sarah Koenig. And you've been listening to No Harm in Asking with Eric Byron and Michael Kerr. Thanks for listening. Please hit subscribe. Give us a rating. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. This podcast is sponsored by Colab.me, the free-to-use platform for interview planning, preparation, and collaboration.